This is tape number 21 of Dr. Joel Hunter's series, Faith from Heaven to Earth. The subject of his message is Faith and Young Adults, and from the New American Standard, Dr. Hunter's text is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 17, verse 3, and it reads as follows. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father David's earlier days and did not seek the Baals. And now, let's join in for praise and worship, followed by Dr. Joel Hunter's message, Faith and Young Adults, message number 21 of the series, Faith from Heaven to Earth. God, thank you for bringing us here this morning. We know that you didn't bring us just so that we could have a nice little religious experience. You brought us to hear from you personally. And you brought us to worship you in spirit and in truth. So, God, we ask you to send us your Holy Spirit right now and help us to do that uh, uh, in a way that pleases you and honors you and glorifies you. We are here for you this morning. And we thank you for calling us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we are going to examine the bittersweet truth that there are people in our lives who need to succeed without us. That is most regularly seen when our kids become young adult age. It is not confined to that dynamic, however. We have uh, people that we have discipled that we need to uh, let go. Uh, There are people at work we've trained. We need uh, for them to be on their own. There are friends that we have who we've cared for who need now to go and care for others. The question is, how do you let go? It is so difficult. Now, to get us into this... uh, the worship team thought it would be uh, interesting to watch a Winnie the Pooh uh, cartoon. Do they call them cartoons? They don't call them cartoons anymore. Animation, whatever. Whatever. The, Winnie, the, Winnie the Pooh thing. I wish that I had these things when I was raising my boys. Uh, they're really educational. <clears throat> In this particular uh, scene, Rabbit has raised uh, uh, a little bird that was injured and that has nursed him back to health. And now uh, the little bird wants to learn to fly. But Rabbit is very ambivalent about that. As a matter of fact, he's against it because he knows the implications of the uh, little bird being able to fly. And so watch the dynamics, the emotional dynamics that are going on here. And then afterwards, uh, to lead us into prayer, we're going to have uh, two of our young adults uh, sing a song that uh, says it even better. Now, as soon as you're up, raise the landing gear. <laughs> Your legs. <laughs> like this? Yes. Now, are you ready for takeoff? No, she's not. Because she's not flying. Hello, rabbit. Don't follow me, Pooh Bear. You're deliberately teaching Cassie to fly, and against my wishes. But, Rabbit, you only said for Owl not to teach her how to. When I say Owls, I mean bears, too. And you, how could you? You, you promised. 
Rabbi, I, I just have to fly. It, it means everything to me. Does it mean more than I do? Hey, bunny boy, why don't you give the kid a chance? You stay out of this and just let go of that. But, but... Right now. And hold me in your prayers And hold me in your 
This is so difficult for some of us. Teach us your ways. Teach us to have faith that you can be a better father, a better mother, a better friend, a better guide than we ever could. Even though you used us for a while, help us this morning to learn your plan, and to do it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you will turn with me, if you have your scriptures with you, to 2 Chronicles, the 17th chapter. And I'm just going to read one verse of the assigned text. I'm going to read the first verse of that chapter, actually. Because it summarizes the process of God. How do we let go? How do we set someone free that needs to, needs to be on their own and achieve without us? The first thing is to understand God's plan in its entirety. In this sentence is a microcosm of that plan. Jehoshaphat, his son, then became king in his place and made his position over Israel firm. Jehoshaphat was the son of Asa, who was in turn one of the the descendants of David. And so Jehoshaphat was really a son of David. God's plan has been from the very beginning that we would be replaced by our kids. God's plan was never to complete what he had begun in us. Isaac, when he preached two months ago, preached on this theme from the standpoint of a young adult. This morning I'm going to speak from the standpoint of a father, if I can. It's it's ironic, incidentally, that uh, this is the first time home from college uh, for this semester. The first and last time of my, my two sons are home from college so I can say to their face, Thanks for breaking our hearts! No, I didn't. No. <laughs> These sermons were planned uh, six or, or eight months ago, and, and uh, so it's so ironic that they would be here for this one. But uh, God has always had in His plan that He would complete His promises in a way that went way beyond those to whom He had promised. He began 
by calling the people together for himself, by Abram, Genesis 12:3, and promised in that third verse that through you all of the families on earth will be blessed. But he did not mean through Abraham as a person or even those who had been called out with Abraham at that time. What he meant was through the generations to come, I will fulfill this promise. That's most accurately interpreted, by the way, not in Genesis, but in Acts. Acts 3.25 explains it like this. Speaking to the contemporary generation, to that generation of believers, he says this, It is you who are the sons of the prophets, and of the covenant which God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Do you see how it goes down through history? Now this is not difficult for us to understand in theory. It is not even difficult for us to assume when we look at our own families. And how much more they can accomplish than we ever did. I look at my three sons, great people. And I have no problem understanding that they will way exceed my ministry. Especially in their chosen fields. I look at Josh and I think, man, this, you know, he's going to have such a ministry in the field of business. A ministry I could never have. I don't have that mentality. I don't, I don't have that understanding. And he's going to be salt and light in a field that I could not personally touch. But yet, because I've discipled him, there will be a part of me that has an extension in that field of a ministry that's much greater than I could ever have. There's no problem when I look at, at Joel, who probably will go into medicine, wants to be a neurosurgeon. And I know he can do that. But I look at him and I think, I could never do that. Good grief, these hands have never been coordinated. I could never even catch a football or a baseball. You know, fool with somebody's brain? There is no way. And I look at him and I say, but, but here's where God can have an impact. That started with me and have an impact in, in this field that, that his mother and I never could have had. I look at Isaac who wants to be a pastor teacher. And, and, and even in my own field, I have absolutely no doubt that his ministry will far exceed mine because he has so many gifts that I, I've never had and so much training that I've never had. And so I just don't have any problem believing that. Theoretically, all of us can believe that our kids will exceed us and pray for it and expect it. <laughs> but how you let them go to do that is a completely different question. Because you look at them and and they don't have the confidence in themselves that you have in them. They don't see themselves like that. I I read a story in Jim Dobson's new book. Jim Dobson has a book called Living on the Edge. And it's specifically for young adults. I would recommend it for any young adults living in here. Or or being here. uh, This service. And and he says, you know, there was a time several years ago. uh, When uh, there there was a rookie on the Chicago Bulls who happened to be on the team at the time when Michael Jordan uh, played this phenomenal game. I mean, he just went crazy, scored 68 points in one game. Uh, and and the, last, the last minute of that game, they were so far ahead that they you know, cleared the bench and let the guys play, and this rookie got in in the last minute of the game, and, and he was fortunate to get fouled, and, and, he, and he scored a foul shot, you know. 
and they were, you know, of course, the press was all over after the game, you know, and, and uh, they filtered their way down to this rookie finally, and uh, and they said, well, how did you feel about your game, you know, and uh, and the rookie said, well, pfft, really good. He said, uh, you know, Michael Jordan and I together scored 69 points tonight. <laughs> Sometimes it reminds me of Christians uh, when they're telling me all that they've done for Jesus, you know. Um, but, but that's what young adults feel like. They, 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 they think, well, I've got a little to contribute, but man, oh man, I'm playing with giants out here. They don't have the sense that they have a lot to contribute. They have not seen in their lives what we've seen. Plus, we know enough about the world. Not them... Not to want to, to have them go through what we've gone through. We know the world shows no partiality. We know our adversary prowls around like a lion, looking for somebody to devour, and we know they're going to get creamed. We've known this all the time they were growing up. We knew it from the time that we were started off to be their baseball partners, and then maybe maybe manage a team. But eventually we were consigned to the bleachers. And our voice just became one in hundreds. And we knew it when that ball went through their legs. And every voice but ours went, oh no. We couldn't protect them from that. We could only sit and cheer. We've known what this process is like. This getting consigned to the bleachers business. When you don't play or you don't coach, you just encourage. It's a very difficult thing. How do you do it? Well, there's two ways, really. One is that you do all you can to have prepared up to this point. And this goes for friends and this goes for workmates as well as children. You've been listening for the past few weeks I've given you the basics of preparing them for this, this stage. You know, another good reference book. Let me give you another reference book. There's a book out called The Blessing by Trent and Smalley. And, and it's just, it outlines Genesis 27. When Isaac was giving the blessing to who he thought was Esau, but was really Jacob. And he takes that passage and he says, you know, there are five elements to really giving your children the blessing that they're going to need to operate in the world. And, I, and I'll just summarize them real quickly for you here, but I want you to get the book. It only costs five or six bucks. It's in paperback. But he says there's, there's, there's the meaningful touch. Every kid needs to be touched. Everybody needs to be touched. You know, I've tried so hard. I've been warned, you know. People don't understand when you hug. People don't, people don't, you know, in these days it's very difficult to touch people. Boy, I've tried to keep my hands to myself. Say good morning, you know. Nice to see you. So I can't do it. It's not complete. People need a pat on the shoulder. They need you to grab their arm and say, I'm glad to see you. They need a hug. They need that physical, meaningful touch. It's part of all of our passage. And I'll be careful how I do that. And you be careful how you do it and why you do it. But don't stop doing it. People need also the spoken word of love. That's the second one. The spoken word of love. They don't need just to have you 
indicate your love. They need to hear it with their ears. And, and, and they need your respect. They really need for you to respect them. And they need, fourthly, a, a, a kind of a special future outlined by you. You know, I can see you in the future. I can see these possibilities. You're going to be great in these areas. We've talked about this. And then lastly, Trenton Spalmy says they need a very practical commitment. A, a very, you know, you see what they could be. You do everything you can to get them the training that they need to be that. Now you do those things and you will find an easier time of having the confidence that they go with everything they can go with. But there's one more thing that I think you should do that I'm not sure is covered in this book that's very, very important. Because I believe with all my heart that success in this world is not about how competent you are in any field nor even how confident you feel in yourself. Success in this world is being able to be spiritually powerful in the sense that you are released to make a difference for eternity on behalf of God. It's not a matter of how you are financially. It's not a matter of how you are in your job. It's not a matter of how you are in your brain. It's a matter of how powerfully God uses you. And I believe that calls for another ingredient. If you'll turn to Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. You see this being bestowed by Jesus on his disciples. It says, and he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to heal diseases. Now I want you to note the two words there. The two Greek words, power and authority, are dunamis and exousia. Exousia. The, the, the word dunamis means that, that, that they know they have what it takes to accomplish spiritually. To, to be whatever God needs them to be to accomplish the spiritual goals that God has for them in this world. You know, you can build two ways in this world. You can build things that are going to fall, or you can build things that are going to last. And Jesus here said to his disciples, you've got the spiritual power, dunamis. We get the word dynamite from it. You've got the spiritual power to build what's going to last in this world. And you've got the spiritual power to take any adverse circumstance and turn it into something that is good and eternal. You've got that power. And you've got the authority. Exousia. You've you've been ordained by God. You've been chosen by God to make this kind of difference in the world. And so I want you to know that you have everything you need to be a spiritual authority in this world. You know, when they understand that they can't control circumstances, but they can arrange for God's results in every circumstance they have, there comes a correct confidence. A confidence that God will do what he needs to do and accomplish what he needs to accomplish, no matter what it looks like. And you do that by speaking 
the spiritual things and by understanding in spiritual ways. You know what I do every time? This is going to sound strange to some of you because you've not been trained in this. But let me tell you what I do just, for example, before every worship service. I cleanse the sanctuary. Now, many times I do it row by row. If it's at the start of a set of worship service, I'll go down every row and I'll pray over every row. And here's what I say. I say, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the authority of Jesus Christ, I cast out every demon in this place. I ask you, because I know it's your will, to exclude the potency of every demon here now or that will come attached to anybody who's walking in this place. Everything that could distract us, everything that could misshape communication. And I ask you to do one of two things. I ask you either to cast them into outer darkness where they belong, or I ask you to bind them and make them sit here and listen to the gospel. And I like that second one better. And then I pray this. Lord, bring every ministering angel, every messenger that could help us understand in ways we can't think, in ways we can't feel, that would communicate directly to your people what you want, that would accomplish in their lives what you have. You know, I really believe it's that authority that accomplishes what God accomplishes in this church. And I want for you to understand that you have the responsibility to communicate that to your children. That if Jesus gave it to those disciples, He gives it to these disciples. You have spiritual authority in this world. Now, there's one more matter that's very important. And that is... Not how they're going to do. Because if they realize they have the spiritual authority, and you realize they've got ability far beyond yours, you know God's going to be with them to accomplish greater things than you've done. Jesus himself promised that to his disciples. John fourteen twelve says, Greater things that I've done will you do. And so he has, he has promised that. But here's the key. How do you let go? Because there's, there's a vacuum the size of a planet in your heart when they're not there anymore. How do you let go? You know, this is a matter of changing the form of a relationship. It's a matter of realizing that you don't have to become distant, that you just have to make sure it's different. There's a big, big difference there. God does not expect you not to care. God only expects you to change the form so that the greater can take place. And God himself did that with us. Jesus explained it to his disciples also in chapter 14 of John. When he says, I've got to go. And they didn't like that idea. He said, no, if I go, I'll ask the Father. He'll send you another, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And you know what? He said, the world won't see me anymore, but you'll still see me. Because you have that Holy Spirit. 
Now, it was also pictured, if you, if you have your scriptures, turn to John chapter 20. Jesus himself did this as he was preparing to exit physically from the disciples. This is a scene from the resurrection. This is the first time that Mary sees Jesus in his resurrected form and she does not recognize him. She thinks he's the gardener. (laughs) Now, how could someone who had been with him all those years mistaken him for the gardener? Well, some people say she was crying so hard she, she couldn't see clearly. But you know what? I think, there's another, I think there's another reason for this. I think Jesus is changing the relationship by changing the body. The resurrection body is different. It's still physical. It is physical. If it wasn't physical, Thomas couldn't have put his finger in the holes and, and Jesus couldn't have eaten. But there's something different about this body because it also says he appears in a room without the doors being opened. The doors were locked and there he was in the room. There's something physical, physically different about this body. In other words, the relationship is not becoming more distant. It's changing form. Now look at what Jesus says to Mary in verse 17. Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me. You know what I think that means? I think, I, I think it means, Mary, don't hang on to the form of the relationship we used to have. Don't hang on to the form I used to have, because it's not going to be like that forever. The form of the relationship, my form, is going to change. So you've got to start thinking about other things in other ways. He says, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But I go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came Announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. You know what happened there? Mary took that physical relationship that was being taken away in Jesus and went to the disciples and became the first missionary to concentrate her efforts from Jesus to those who Jesus also wanted to pull in to what was happening. Now watch this very closely. What do you do when somebody you've been training, somebody you've been discipling, is taken away from you physically? What do you do when they need to succeed on their own and you need to keep out of the way? You stop being interested, you stop loving, you stop praying, not on your life. You love them as much as you ever have. You're as close to them as you've ever been. But there is a, an absence there that you've got to deal with. And as wonderful as the spiritual truth is, it doesn't take away the pain of the emotion. And the Bible gives us a clear direction. You take what you've learned and you give it to somebody else. You don't think God's just going to take you through this discipling thing one time, do you? You don't think He's, he's, he's helped you learn all these lessons in retrospect just to happen one time. That the only beneficiaries of your love are your children, not on your life. No, God says, there are others who need what I've taught you here. That came to me so clear when we were saying about Isaac at college. When it didn't come to me by myself, it came through him. We were walking him to the car. Two months ago, walking him to the car. And you, I don't know, 
you all know what a last walk is like. You know, this is the deal. It will never be the same again. And you walk into the car. Now, with Josh, we had done it one time, so we thought it would be easier the second time. It's not easier the second time. Bad news. It's not easier the second time. And Josh, we had done, it was such a strange experience with Josh. We just kind of hugged and cried and got in the car and drove off. I mean, there was, we couldn't say anything. But with Isaac, I, I, on the way there, I just felt like, man, I, I, I've got to sum this thing up. I've got to, I've got to say something. I've got to, I've got to tell him how much he's meant. And so I'm trying to think of something. Something you can't put into words. We're getting to the car. Of course, his mother's crying so hard, it's like horizontal tears. <laughs> you know? So we get to the car, and Isaac just stops, and he says, let's just pray together for a while. Well, okay. So we're, you know, three of us are just kind of huddled in the parking lot. And of course, Beck's just sprinkling us, you know. Just, <laughs> she's not going to be praying, we know that. She's crying way too hard. So I just start, you know. And I just do. The only thing I can do is just thank God for Isaac. Consecrate him to this ministry at college he's not going to have. And then I start crying. I can't finish. And Isaac just starts praying. At first he prays a prayer of gratitude for us. And how we've raised him. And then he stopped and He said, but this is what I want to do. I want to dedicate my parents now to the new ministry they'll have without me. I want to dedicate the time that they have poured into my life to other people. I want you to consecrate that. And I return them for a fuller ministry now that I'm not there anymore. God has a plan for that big vacuum. That is to give it. Give all you've learned and all you've loved to others. Pray with me. God, help us to do this this morning with a very simple picture. There are people in our lives who we need to let go of. I'm not talking husbands and wives here. (laughs) I'm talking people that we've discipled that now need to succeed without us. And so whether that be our children or our friends or our trainees at work, help us to picture ourselves right now with their hand in our hand and help us to lift that hand up and put their hand into your hand and help us to see them walk away with you and help us to turn to others in our lives now that we can love more completely and train more expertly because of those who have allowed us to fail on them we pray this in Jesus name Amen. Please stand for the benediction. As you're standing, let let me remind you we have a prayer team over here.
And as they're coming forward, anybody who would like to pray this morning, please come. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, don't have that attachment to God as Father. That's the first step in being secure enough to let others go. Because you know to whom you're letting them go. But some of you also need some personal relational prayer help, and they would be glad to do that. If you can't get to them this morning, we do have Wednesday night prayer. And if you need more extensive care than prayer, a wonderful pastoral care department here. Wonderful people. It's not a department. It's people. It's a team. It's a ministry. And so um, let your church family stand with you in these things. Now may the saving grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in you and in those you love until His coming again. Amen. Mm-hmm.